not sure. If, yeah, I turned it on. Thank you. So Mark, your pastor, was my pastor uh, for several years while I was doing conference leadership and wasn't pastoring a church of my own. And let me tell you, uh, you already know he's an incredible man of faith and of heart, and that sincerity is just who he is. He just seeks to live after the Lord and wants other people to have that same thing that he has found in Jesus. And so I'm so grateful for him. Uh, look, you look good. I mean, you're 175, but you look good. Uh, you know, you're, you're holding up well. This is, this is good. What a joy. It's been. So I came here when I was 30 years old. I'm just about to turn 50. So it took 20 years, basically, for y'all to invite me back. And uh, so I'm thinking I'll probably get an invitation for the 200th celebration. Maybe uh, on the 200th anniversary, I'll be uh, back here preaching along with you. I'll be 75, but it'll be fine. Uh, it'll, it'll go well. Look, it, it's so good to be here in this place at this time, celebrating this 175 years, this legacy. And I was talking with so many friends this morning and um, as we were worshiping with my wife, my wife said, this is really surreal being in this place. And I said to her, so strange, right? And she said, in all the best ways. And that's what it feels like to us. It's so strange, in all the best ways. What a, what a joy. And seeing so many people. And one of the things, as I was thinking back about my time here uh, preaching, one of the things, sorry if you're in the balcony, that wasn't here. And so I'm going to kind of ignore you up there. So... Just kidding. I'll look up there every once in a while. Um, so when uh, uh, in this kind of stream, what I think about in this time is that there were a lot of great things that were happening in that season, a lot of outreach and evangelism and marriage ministry and parenting things. But that's not really what I remember about my time here. And what I remember about my time here is really not what God did through all of us. But what I remember most about my time here is what God did in me, through you. And in this time, this opportunity as a young pastor coming here, being with a group of people who were also earnestly striving after and seeking after Jesus, and what was formed in me was this formation as pastor and this formation as a father and this formation as a husband and just this formation as a man of God. And this would never have happened alone, and it would have never happened without you. And so when I think about legacy, this is what I think about, whether this is your first week stepping into this place and with these people, and, or whether you've been here 50 years. I said this in the first service, and someone left, and they said, I've been here 51 years. Whether you've been here more than 50 years, you are part of this legacy of faith that is here. So I was thinking about legacy this weekend. I did a, a Google search on articles and I was reading an article of a young father and he was writing, asking the question, will I leave a legacy? And I just wanted to kind of reach through the computer and grab him and shake him and say, of course you're gonna leave a legacy. The only question is, what kind of legacy are you going to leave? You see, we all leave a legacy, but what legacy do we leave behind? And legacy isn't about trying to like forecast, what am I going to leave? What is that going to look like? You can't just think about your future self and then look back and try to discern what that legacy is going to look like. 
What I want you to hear today is this, that legacy is about what you're living right now. If you want to know what legacy you'll leave, look at how you're living right now. So I want to go back and we're going to, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to 2 Timothy chapter 1. The Apostle Paul is writing in here to a protege by the name of Timothy. And Timothy is this young pastor and Paul has been molding into him, but Paul is not the first one to pour into him because legacy takes generations. Legacy takes multiple people pouring into you. And so Paul is reminding Timothy that he has a legacy from his grandmother, that he has a legacy from his mother, that he's living a legacy that Paul is pouring into him for the generations that are to come. And so we read this, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. I am reminded of your sincere faith. He's saying, Timothy, I'm reminded. I think about you. And when I think about you, what I remember is this sincere faith that you had. But guess what? This isn't just Timothy's faith. What he says is this, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. This faith isn't just something that he came up with or invented or received on his own, but it was something that was passed down, something that was handed to him. Verse six, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame. Remember that for a moment. I remind you to fan into flame this gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. He's saying, for this reason, for the reason of your grandmother, for the reason of your mother, for the reason of my pouring into you, I want to remind you to take that ember and fan into flame this gift. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power and love, and self-discipline. So there's a grandmother. There's mom. Dad's not mentioned. Dad's not mentioned in this picture. And if you want to know about his father, you have to go back to the book of Acts. And in chapter 16, what we discover is that we, he had a Jewish mother who was a believer, a Jewish grandmother who was a believer, and when you look in Acts chapter 16, it said, it talks about his heritage, a Jewish believing mother and a Greek father. Now, this was a way of saying that your mother was a believer in Jesus, but your father was not. And so now what he has is he has two legacies that are being handed down to him. On the one hand, there's this legacy of faith. And on this other hand, there's a legacy of at least indifference if not hostility to this faith. And Timothy has to determine what legacy he's going to live. And Paul is saying this legacy that you received, I'm just telling you, Timothy, you have to take that ember and you have to fan it into a flame so that it wells up inside of you. And one of the most important truths about parenting and grandparenting and great-grandparenting is that we are leaving a legacy. We don't have a choice whether we are or, or not. What we have a choice is what type of legacy we are going to leave. So when I think about like, okay, models, and how are we to model our life? How are we to model what we are doing? You know, my, we have to go back to scripture and think about what is God doing here? 
And so I think about the parents, the family. Where is this family model for us? And you go through and, you know, just start in Genesis. Okay, so model, Adam and Eve. Yep, they're the ones. Wait a second, not so good. And their kids didn't get, a, their boys didn't get along so well either, right? So that didn't work out. Let's see. And then, and then we go on and we see Noah and we see his family and we see, well, my gosh, Noah passed out drunk in his nakedness and his sons had to cover him up and that was quite a mess. No, we, we, can't, we can't live with that. And we just kind of keep on and we see Jacob and Esau, these two brothers who were always in this kind of constant battle with each other, so much so that it divided the parents who chose sides in this battle over their children. And we see Joseph and his brothers and the dysfunction of that family because his father had this, uh, I don't know, he loved Joseph kind of more than the others. And Joseph was pretty happy about this, right? It's not a bad thing. Well, the brothers weren't so happy about it, and that turned into a mess. And over and over again, I'm just like, let's find this family. We see Jesse and Jesse's sons, and we see David and his brothers who were mighty men of Israel, but kind of mighty mean to David. And then we see David, who was this chosen one of God, who becomes king, but his wives, his family, his kids are a mess. I don't know, man. Just kind of flip, flip through here. Where do we find it? Okay, well, it's Jesus. That's the family. Except if you go to Mark chapter three, Jesus' mother and family came to him and said, as he's healing and, and doing his ministry, Jesus, we think you've lost your mind. Come home now. <laughs> Like, like here it is all of this over and over and over again. And what we hear ultimately in the end is what Eugene Peterson says to us. Eugene Peterson wrote the message. He wrote this. A search of scripture turns up a rather surprising truth. There are no exemplary families. Not a single family is portrayed as the model family for all of us to look up to. The biblical material consistently portrays the family not as a Norman Rockwell group beaming with gratitude around a Thanksgiving turkey. This, this should give you some comfort this year as you sit around and look at around the table and say, are you really my family, right? You should go, look, look, there's no perfect family, but as a series of broken relationships in need of redemption, need of redemption. So one of, the, one of the shows that my wife and I used to watch was The Goldbergs. So did anyone watch The Goldbergs? Okay, we have a few Goldbergs. So I'm a, I'm a child of the 80s. And so The Goldberg is a story, The Goldbergs is a story about children of the 80s. So, you know, it just kind of resonates. There's a scene where the mother and father are lying in bed and the mother says to her husband, uh, we're bad parents, aren't we? And he lies there and he says, we're not great. And then she says, is anyone really? And he thinks for a moment, and then he says, well, there's that blonde-headed family down the street with all the bikes in the garage. <laughs> and this is what we do, isn't it? We think about, like, well, my family's kind of a mess. I haven't got this thing right. But when I look around, I can see, well, they have it figured out, and they have it figured out, and they have it figured out. But the truth is, they've only figured out how to make you think they have it figured out, <laughs> right? Because we just don't. We don't as parents, we don't as spouses, we, don't, we just don't have it figured out. We're trying, hopefully. And you see, this is what legacy is about. It's not about pretending that we have it right, but it's about striving after more. 
striving after leaving something great for those who come after us. And you have two legacies. You have a legacy that has been handed down to you and a legacy that you can live. There is a legacy that is left for you and there is a legacy that is living in you. And for some people, that might be the same. For some of you, you think about the legacy that your family left and you're just like, thank you. And this legacy is something that you want to live yourself, but it just doesn't happen through osmosis. You have to fan into flame that gift that has been given. And for others, you've been left this legacy and you're not sure what to do with it. I, um, I've done 23andMe, that genetic testing. Did anyone else do this 23andMe? Hands, hands, some of you. So what it is, it's a paid service where you pay the government to send the DNA. And that's a joke. <clears throat> but, but basically, I think it is kind of a government database of my DNA. But I thought, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. And if some of my family members did, that's on them. And, uh, you know, ultimately, I thought this is going to be great. So they'll give you a report of like all your health things and predispositions. And so I paid, you know, quite a few dollars to find out that I'm not going to get restless leg syndrome. So I'm good with that. I dodged the bullet on that one. But part of this is they have a family tree and other family members who've also submitted their DNA will have like little pictures on this family tree of where they are. And I'm thinking to myself, well, this is going to be cool. I get to see who my family is. And, and when, I, when I did, um, basically it was like, I don't know. I mean, it was like, like this, kind of like they were holding up mug shots, you know? I mean, not a Bible, like a number, like inmate 34270. Like I was like, those can't be my people. Like, like, is that really who it is? Like, you know, when we have this imaginary thing, like all of my people are going to be handsome and beautiful, but they were quite kooky looking, um, which tells me that, you know, this is genetics, right? We can't outrun genetics in some way. And this is the thing that we want to think that we're kind of self-differentiated, individualized people. But the truth is that we're a conglomerate of 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 what has been left for us in our DNA and how we grew up and who invested in us and all of these parts and pieces. And there's some of that that we would like to outrun. And there's some of it that we would like to hold tight to. But some of you have think, saw things modeled for you that you never wanted molded in you, but it comes out. Sometimes it's beautiful and wonderful and sometimes it's hard. And you know this, if you're over 30, you've had this moment where you've said something just like your mom or you did something just like your dad, right? Like, and, you're, and you just kind of laugh and you think that's exactly what they did. And each one of us, but have this now choice because of the freedom of Jesus to determine what legacy we're going to live. And this is the good news of the gospel that it is Jesus who comes and allows us to live a new story, a better story. Even if you were left a good story, a greater story, this Jesus who brings freedom from our lives and freedom from sin and bondage and things that hold us to the past, we're set free. What legacy will you live? So we read in 2 Timothy 3, verse 14, these words. 
But as for you, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know from whom you've learned it. He's encouraging him. Look, you know these things. You know the people you learned this from. I want you to continue in. Verse 15, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. There's an author by the name of uh, two authors, Paul Brand and Philip Yancey, and they wrote a book called The Gift of Pain. It's just an incredible book. Uh, Paul Brand was a famous surgeon who developed techniques to work on patients who have Hansen's disease. Hansen's disease is also known as leprosy. And the problem with leprosy is that you lose feeling. You lose the feeling in your fingers. And so he developed techniques to kind of restore some of the use of that. And in this book, the writing about like the the ne- you can, we often think about the negative side of pain, but how pain is also a gift from God at the same time. And in it is the story of Evelyn, who was a single woman who moved to the mission field of India in 1909. 1909, this single woman moves to India to spread the gospel. On the mission field, she meets a man by the name of Jesse Brand. She and Jesse are married and they work for seven years, and they have this vision from God, and the vision from God is that that they're going to reach all of these hills around this massive valley there in India. And so they set out, and they begin to work, and they work one year, and two years, and three years, no converts, no one came to believe in Jesus, four years, and five years, and six years, no one believes in Jesus, seven years they're working, not one convert, And I just think, like, if I go seven days and I look at my list and I haven't accomplished anything, I'm like, yeah, I'm giving up, (laughs) right? But seven years of just working, and then a Hindu priest falls ill. And Evelyn and Jesse go to minister to this priest where no one else wanted to go. And as they ministered to him and he was dying, he asked when he died, would they take his children and raise them as theirs? And they said, yes. When they received these children, it was like receiving a blessing from this priest. And all of a sudden, it opened up opportunities and that opened up the gospel being proclaimed. And then for the next 13 years, it was hill after hill, people coming to know Jesus, ministering in this place. And then Jesse dies suddenly. Evelyn's 50 years old, a single woman in India, and everyone believes, well, she's gonna come home now. And what she says is, no, I'm not coming home. I want to stay. And the mission board is like, are you sure you want to stay? And she said, I'm staying. So for another 20 years, Evelyn ministers to the people in these hills, going from village to village, place to place. 70 years old now, the mission board throws her a retirement party. Like she didn't ask for a retirement party. Any of you happened to you ever? (laughs) We're throwing you a retirement party. And they come, and, and she's like, I didn't, I, I didn't want this. But at the end of it, she said, well, thank you for this party. It was beautiful. It was meaningful. But I have a secret. I've stowed away little resources over the years, and I've built a little place, and I'm not going back. <laughs> and so there she is, 70 years old, and she stays. And she walks from village to village for another five years until she breaks a hip. 
And then she gets a pony and she rides this pony for the next 18 years from village to village to village to village. Anyone good at math? What is that? 93. (laughs) Close. 93. Now she's 93 going from village to village to village. And then she can't get on the horse anymore, the pony. And so they put her on a stretcher. And the men of the village carry her from village to village, leaving this legacy, leaving this legacy. 95, she dies. Her son, Paul Brand, one of the authors of the book, wrote about his mother. This is how to grow old. Let everything else, let everything else fall away until those around you see only love. That's legacy. That's legacy. This falling away of those things, this falling away of the things that don't matter and the dross and the things that we carry until there is a legacy of love that we leave for the world around us. And as a, as a pastor, it's been a, one of my great privileges in pastoral ministry is to be at the funerals of many people and s- sit and hear stories of families, some of the families of you. And the best funerals, the best funerals are the ones where you not only hear stories about what they did and the impact that they left in their vocation. Let me tell you, Vocation matters. What you do matters. Your work is important, but that's likely not going to be the place of legacy. It's the stories of family members who stand up and say, this is what they left me. And it wasn't a thing. It wasn't a possession. It was, it was an encouragement. It was joy that they left in that person's life. It was love that they left in that person's life. It was a legacy of faith that they left in that person's life. And over and over again, friends, those are the things that last. And as I think about 175 years, I will not preach 175 minutes. I will, I will wrap this thing up. But what I think about is this. As I just think about some of you here today, like you're planting seeds, you're planting seeds, and you're like, hey, is this legacy going to last? Is this legacy going to bear any fruit? Is it going to spring up? Is something going to happen? Because I've been working one year, two years, three years, four years, and you're just kind of going, is something going to happen? I just want to encourage you today that Jesus is saying, continue on, continue on, because it matters. The legacy of this church matters. The legacy of this church, I saw so many people today, and what I said to a number of them, part of you is in me. Like, like you invested in me. I remember, I remember things I learned from people and things they helped for me and invested in me. I'm so much better because of it. And so there is this legacy. So I want to close with remembering again the scripture I started with. Remember what Paul said? I am reminded of your sincere faith. You know what sincere faith is? Sincere comes from the Latin word sincera. That means without wax. And they used to take clay jars and they used to, when there was a crack, they would put wax in it and make, make it pretend like it was okay, like it was all right. And so when someone was on to sell something that was true, they would say sincera, sincerely, without wax. I'm reminded of this sincere faith. And sincere doesn't mean perfect. It just means they're not hiding anything. 
Like, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But we're not going to pretend that we are. He says, I'm reminded of this sincere faith that what? That lived. That first lived in your grandmother and in your mother. That's a living faith. And we think about living a legacy. This is what it is. It is a faith that lives within us that we are passing down to others. And so Paul says that little ember, that little ember of faith that has been passed down to you, he closes with the words, fan it into flame. Friends, you just keep fanning. Just keep fanning that thing. Because ultimately, one day it catches fire and it changes your life and it changes the lives around through the power and the grace of Jesus our Lord. And I'm gonna take a moment, I'm gonna pray over us and pray over you this day as we celebrate. So if you would move into this moment of prayer with me, Lord God, we thank you. And God, I thank you. God, I'm just overwhelmed in so many ways to be here in this place with these people on a day of celebrating not what we have done, but what you have done in this place. And so God, I just ask that, you're, that you would give us the faith and the power that lived in Timothy's mother, lived in Timothy's grandmother. God, I pray that that we would live our lives in this church in a way that helps leave a legacy. God, I just ask that we would continue to relentlessly pass along and pursue passing along a legacy of faith onto the next generation. God, it's not about what's wrong or what we think's wrong. It's about all that's right with them. It's about all that you're doing in them and all that you call us to invest in them. And so we're going to live out our faith in authentic ways. And I pray that you would help us this week lean forward into the work that you want us to do, that you are doing in us and that you are doing through us. And so God, we thank you for your grace and for the places you've given us a new story. So by your grace and by your mercy, we get to live a new and a better legacy. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord.